I'm Chris Doolin, and you're listening to Discussing Trek. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Discussing Trek, a Star Trek podcast, an unofficial podcast about the CBS All Access series Star Trek Discovery. And now we know the name of the Picard series, and it's called, guess what? Star Trek Picard. So uh, we've thrown that into our official uh, tagline uh, for the show. But today we're going to be talking about the IDW 2019 annual entitled Captain Saru. And like always, I'm your host, Clarence, and I'm joined by my fellow co-host slash Trekkie. Cal Jones, how you doing, man? I am doing very good. I am glad to be back on. We're recording, uh, talking about Star Trek, and I really like this. So I'm excited to hear what you think, and I am excited to talk about this comic. So, yes, glad to be here. Guys, what we do here on this podcast is review each and every episode of Star Trek Discovery and now Star Trek Picard in some excessive detail in addition to talking all things Trek. And indeed, this is one of those all things Trek episodes where we're going to be diving a little bit into the Star Trek Discovery again, one shot 2019 annual from IDW entitled Captain Saru. So, man, I just want to um, throw it out to you, man. What's what's going on with you? You've been doing all right. I've been doing good. I've uh, been busy, like you were saying. We took a couple of weeks off, but we've been continue to trek on with Doctor Who, and that's been fun. We're in Series 4, so I am absolutely excited about that. But I am excited after seeing uh, the – and I know you're going to get to it, but wow, that Picard teaser just got me excited. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're going to get into it. But right quick, I just want to say, guys, if you like this show and you want to show your support, first and foremost, is always helpful to get someone to spread the word. So if you know another Trekkie, um, somebody that's into the latest season of Star Trek Discovery or maybe just Trek in general, uh, tell them about our show. You know, get as many people into the fray as 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 we can. We'd love your help in doing that. And also, if you want to join in on the conversation if you want to be a part of the conversation that we're trying to foster over on Facebook, you can do that by going to facebook.com, uh, search for groups and search for um, discussing network in, in Facebook groups. And, and that is where we're kind of um, uh, putting the stake in the ground as kind of the the place to go in and have a community foster conversation and certainly talk about all these properties we love, including Doctor Who, Star Trek, and comics and other things, you know, that we talk about on our shows. So, And yeah. we've had some good conversations. I mean, I've had fun with it. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're slowly building the community. And, you know, that's kind of where we want to be our stomping ground for feedback, comments, and, you know, just uh, talking about the stuff we love. Yeah. So, Cal, you mentioned the... New, well, about a week old now, week and a half old, the new Star Trek Picard trailer. Fifteen years ago, today, you let us out of the darkness. You commanded the greatest rescue armada in history. Then... The unimaginable. What did that cost you? Your faith? Your faith in us? 
your faith in yourself. Tell us, why did you leave Starfleet, Admiral? What did you think, man? So I, first off, I really liked how I got the sense and feeling of the last episode of, you know, TNG and the next generation, because didn't that happen in the vineyard? It wasn't that in the last uh, couple of frames or in that story that that's where Picard was, was in a vineyard in that last episode am i remembering that correct yeah they did like do a flash forward to the uh the vineyard but we also saw the vineyard in maybe i just watched this episode uh, actually is maybe one of my favorite tng episodes uh it's it's uh, i think it's season four episode one or maybe episode two of season four of tng and the name of that episode you should definitely check it out um it, it it's it's a, the name of the episode is family and um ah. and that episode is all about post um post uh Lakutisa Borg, post Picard being captured and being a part of the Borg. And this is part of him um trying to find himself again. And he goes to his uh family vineyard in, in France and and you know, watch that episode, trust me, it'll it'll make your head start to think about, you know, where they're going to be by the time the the uh, actual uh, show starts. And, you know, one of the taglines in the trailer says, uh, why did you leave Starfleet, Admiral? So uh, it's going to be very interesting to see where they go with that. And also um, our friend Matthew mentioned that the books that lead up to the 2009 Star Trek reboot J.J. Abrams movie covers a little bit of this war or this thing that happened that they may be alluding to in this trailer. Yeah, I'm excited about it, man. I think it's going to be interesting. I do think it's going to be a very different tone from what we've had before. Also opportunities for different people in Trek to maybe make cameos, which we kind of talked about before. I think you may have some news on that, Cal, of other Yeah, people. I, you know, I, I don't know how actually, you know, solidified this is, but you know how the rumor mill goes and the rumor mill says that there's a big chance that you could see a return of Riker. You can also potentially see the return of Data. But yeah, that that would be really cool. And the fact that they're setting it in the future, you don't have to worry about why do they look old. Yeah, yeah. It's because, or older, it's because, hey, it's in the future. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I am all game for that. You know, they may find some crazy way to bring data back post. Was it Nemesis? You know, you didn't actually make it through that movie, <laughs> but, but um, I'm, I'm down for it, man. I think hopefully that the fact that Patrick Stewart, Sir Patrick Stew, it's it's so involved in this. Hopefully it'll be more toward what we know and people will be more accepting of it, even though we know it's going to be a different tone than TNG. But but maybe having uh, Patrick Stewart himself be uh, in, intimately involved in the production, you know, may, maybe it's going to be a little bit closer to what people know and love from uh, from from Shrek. So excited. Yeah, me too. And, you know, I I, I applaud them because even though I agree, I do think the tone 
is going to be maybe more into what that character was than the next generation as opposed to the, the variation of discovery the fact the tone may be the same or more similar but the fact that they're exploring a new type of story for star trek i find exciting it's not your ship going off going to a planet it's more of a seemingly a character driven show Yes, certainly. Awesome. Awesome. Guys, I'll say go ahead and check us out on YouTube by going to YouTube.com and searching for Discussing Trek or just by going to YouTube.DiscussingTrek.com. And we'd love it if, if you'd give us a subscribe there um, uh, and hit that notification button because we will be putting out more videos as we try to dive in some of the developments that have happened over this past season, maybe a little bit more intimately and uh, getting that out there for you guys. So, yeah, we are ready to go ahead and get into Star Trek Discovery Captain Saru, the 2019 one shot annual from IDW, written by Christian Beyer and Mike Johnson with art from Angel Hernandez. This story takes place after the events of season one of Star Trek Discovery before the arrival of the USS Enterprise. Spoilers. Red alert. All hands stand to battle stations. I'll give you the right. You cannot destroy an idea. At ease before you sprain something. So let me ask you this, Kyle, before we actually get into some of the details. Did you kind of remember what happened at the end of last season? Or is it so far distant you kind of have to go back and maybe read and so, so you're talking about so you're talking about the season season one. No, I'm right? sorry, at the end of season one. Excuse me. Okay. Not so season. No, 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 you're good. I'm just making sure before I start talking, I'm thinking about the right one. So that being said, if I remember correctly, after they were in the mirror universe, we know that um, that Lorca is really the mirror universe Lorca. And it's Saru that captains the ship back to the prime or the real universe. Is, is, am I remembering correct? Yeah, yeah, that's right. I mean, after we learn of what happens, you know, who Lorca really is and Saru does what I think is an admirable job of being uh, the captain for pretty much the rest of that season, the last two or three episodes where he is helming the discovery. And, you know, eventually we're bringing it into the Klingon war. But, you know, that was that was a lot of Saru in there. And I thought he was a pretty good captain. What about your thoughts on, on how he kind of actually how he performed at the end of last season, end of well, season I, one, excuse me. Okay, so I think from the beginning of season one to the end of season one, I think he as a character progressed in the sense of relating more to the audience because I remember from the first couple of episodes, I did not like his interactions with Burnham. And I understood them. I just did not like them. But then by the end of the end of it, you learn more about the character. And I thought he did as good a job as anybody else. I, w- I, wanna, I won't say that he did an outstanding job, but I will say that I think he did as good of a job that any of them could have done with the circumstances he was given what, what about you what do you think no, no, I, I certainly felt like he grew up by the end of um season one and that's kind of hard to say because he's already like you know a lieutenant he's a very uh good officer at that point but when i say grew up maybe i'm thinking more of his relationship like you mentioned with, with him and burnham because at the very beginning of the season they're very combative you know that 
sibling rivalry type relationship. And by the end, I think they have an admirable um, a, a respect between each other, which I think that's what we're going to see in this comic here, where they've gotten to this point where they, they are now, now friends, um, which I really like. So, again, sort of like where we are by the end of season one, of course, post Klingon Federation Klingon War. And we had these uh, award ceremony and all that on Paris and on Earth. And we were headed toward Vulcan for a new captain. So this comic here is kind of what happened before they left to go to Vulcan to get the new captain. Very much a consideration of, of maybe Saru having the opportunity, or so he thinks, to to possibly become the captain of Discovery. So let's get right into it. Uh, we start off with this dream sequence talking about the blueberries in the spore garden. And really, I didn't really they were trying to allude to something here. Uh, a part that I really didn't understand completely. Did you get any? Did you garner anything from this? Dream? No, I didn't. Yeah, I, I, I honestly reading the first part of it, I was like, OK, this is going to be a hard read because yeah. we've we've reviewed several of these. And there was there was one series, I think, with Vok that you and I really enjoyed reading. But on the flip of that, there was a series in the mirror universe that we didn't quite appreciate as much. And I was yeah. afraid this was going to be the latter of the two with the blueberries. But after you got past the blueberries for me. But no, I did not get the relevance there. Yeah. It seemed like they were going to set up something that would pay off by the end of the episode. But really to me, it, it had no further context <laughs> in the rest of the episode at all. So yeah, it was kind of weird for them to put it there. Cause to me, it made no sense throughout the rest of the episode. Unless there, unless it was because they needed page count. That you're probably right, sir. But through had this dream he's awakened by burnham and burnham says oh we have a meeting tomorrow and we find they're going to the the louvre in paris and they're going to look at some art we see that that they they go to well one of saru's favorite uh, pieces of art is the winged victory of samothrace i think i'm saying that right uh i think so uh, nike of samothrace funny thing he asks burnham what does this mean and I think this is the part that really sets up the episode in in reference to discovery. You know, what does it mean in reference to discovery? Uh, and she kind of says is uh, that we're ready to face any challenge. We're powerful, brave, defiant. And we're currently lacking a head like the statue is kind of sort of the, just these wings with no head. If you haven't seen it before, it's actually a pretty beautiful piece of art. I looked up the real picture. Um, but but, you know, she kind of makes a pretty good analogy or a metaphor to the current state of the discovery. And, you know, that kind of sets up what we're going to see for the rest of the episode. Discovery needs a captain. Discovery needs a captain. Well, let me ask you, sir. Like, did you think by the end of last season that Saru had a real shot at becoming a captain of Discovery? For a moment, I thought that he might be. But then I thought, well, he, is he really dynamic enough as a presence to be the captain? And, th and so therefore I said, no. Uh, what about you? What did you think? Do you think he, he did at that point? Um, he, I mean, I think he definitely was on his way to, to, to being there. Um, 
and really he kind of says it in his conversation with Burnham. The only thing that can get you pretty much ready is more experience. But I mean, I think in the opportunity he had, he did, did a great job. But as we can see here in this comic, he has Burnham behind him. And that's a huge jump from the beginning of Absolutely. season one, where they were again, very combative. And she's, you know, because of Lorca making her way onto discovery and he just did not want her to be there. And they kind of waded through that relationship to where they are at this point to where she's like, you know, I trust you. I want you to be the captain. You've had this, um, you've, you've been through the mirror universe successfully. You have a knowledge, a, a very great knowledge of the USS discovery and everybody trusts you. And all of these things that she kind of spouts off here uh, are going to come back later in this book to reasons why he probably, you know, he probably could be captain. If if you don't mind, before we move on from this particular scene, I've got two questions for you, actually, if you don't mind. Yeah, go ahead. So when you're hearing because you're 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 talking about them, uh, he says this and she says that when you're reading the comic, do you hear after watching the series, do you hear your own voice as you're reading or do you actually hear the actors who portray these characters? Do you hear their voices in your head? Hmm. I would say maybe not so much voice, but more like cadence. Yeah. And maybe that's what, that's, what way I'm trying to get yeah, at. But yeah, yeah, that's a weird distinction. But, you know, the way I read it, I'm hearing it how in like the tone they would say it, you know, the pauses and I'm I'm trying to visualize how they would actually articulate this sentence uh, that that I'm reading. So maybe I'm hearing them saying it. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you and I are saying the same thing just differently. Yeah, yeah, cool. So my other question was, I I really like the the part, and I think this was on page five where Burnham and um, Saru were talking, and they were talking about dreams, and she makes the reference of dreams being a way that humans have analyzed their understanding of life. And it's sort of like a metaphor for which um, Saru just saw that as a very alien type concept. So I have a question. My question is, I don't remember my dream. So I kind of felt like Saru at that point, because I may remember one or two dreams a year, if that. Do you remember your dreams? Mm, This depends on how impactful it was. Um, I don't really know a number of the amount that I remember, but there are some I remember. There's certainly some that wake you from your sleep and those you're de- definitely going to remember. Uh, but yeah, there are some I remember from time to time. So, so do you agree with her that they uh, represent how our mind, um, you know, yeah. Yeah, translates mean, things? Well, she said it's a way of analyzing and understanding. And a lot of times, and I know you know this, like when people do remember their dreams, not to say that they remember all of them, but when they do remember their dreams, they are trying to find a greater meaning in what that dream meant. And certainly some people think it's prophecy when they have a dream about something. So, yeah, I I think that is a very human thing, like where Saru is saying that um, the way that the Kelpian race interpret dreams is that's their way to dispel fear. Instead of the fear being bundled up inside of them, their dreams are their their method of processing their fear so they can go on the next day and I guess get the next round of fear <laughs> and yeah. dispel it again. So it's a very different way 
the kelpians versus humans are, are processing it. It's kind of what but, I got. Yeah, me too. And, and, and I'm glad you interpreted it the, you know, the same way that I did because I thought that that was a cool way of using something that we can relate to, whether we remember our dreams or not, but yet also make you understand a little bit more about who Saru is as a character. So I thought that was cool. Yeah. And, and again, I thought that they were going somewhere deeper with the blueberry thing. And, and they mentioned it when they were talking about the dream. So maybe I'm just not getting it. Guys, if you're listening, you know what they meant by that. Please like write us in at fans at discussingtrek.com or hit us up on the Facebook groups. Cause I was a little confused on the whole blueberry thing, but um, I, I do like them talking about the dreams here. Uh, but the blueberry part, <laughs> I don't Yeah, know. I didn't get that either. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, yeah, I want to mention, too, um, they mentioned Saru's, um, Saru with the Gorlands and the Piliars, which that is a part of the book Fear Itself, where he very much kicks butt after making a very bad decision, uh, trying to, um, write something that he thought was wrong and he kind of defies George O's orders and he's thrust into the situation where he has to uh, negotiate peace between these two races, the Pillars and the Gorlands, while also fighting the Tholians. So uh, if you haven't checked out that book, Fear Itself is very good. I do a review of that uh, on this feed. You can find a review of that uh, that book. Though I'm I'm a little, you know, I'm kind of worried about the books, man, you know, because sometimes they're tying in tightly and it makes sense. But again, I always talk about the um, the the first book with uh with Burnham and Spock having an adventure and they kind of like totally forget about that in the show, which is fine. But it just kind of makes me worry a little bit about some of the um, extended material that we have for the show. Yeah, I think, you you know, it's almost like a double edged sword. You do want to create that extended universe or that extra content for people who a like comics that's what we're doing or b that like the long form prose but you do run that um risk is i guess a good way to say of having contradictions and how do you explain those and unfortunately i think that happens sometimes yeah, I mean, as well as doing something that's so good in the books, you kind of want to rehash it on the show. Yes. <laughs> because it's incredible. But, um, be that as it may. So we get back on Discovery and it looks like everybody is, um, off doing things as the Discovery undergoes repairs in Dry Dock. Tilly is visiting her father aboard a science vessel and, uh, Stamets is visiting Culver's family. You know, what happened to Culver's? Nick snapped around the world. Uh, Awusakan is scaling Mount Ephraim while Saru is chosen to stay on the sh- ship and oversee the, the repairs. Uh, we see where Saru has this conversation, uh, at the request of Admiral Cornwell. And she has given Saru an assignment, you know, with the full crew isn't there. The ship isn't a hundred percent, but she says we have this assignment for you that the USS Dorothy Garrett is lost and she needs Saru to find it because instantly is also on this ship. So uh, that's kind of the mission that's given to Saru. Uh, what do you think about his reaction to, you know, being given this mission? Do you think he was a little scared? Or? Oh, absolutely. I, I, I had a, um, a note written down from that. I said the writers did a great job of relating Sar- Saru's uh, ex- anxiety. I know the 
I know seeing the character on the series plays into this, but this story made me feel like I was really inside his head. And what really put me in his head was the moment she said, Starfleet is looking at you. And I'm thinking of Saru being a being at that point who's all about fear. And I could only imagine, I mean, I felt anxiety for him of knowing I'm about to give you this mission. This is a test. So no matter how you do, this is a test because we're looking at you. Yeah. And, and he expresses his concerns. He's like, I don't think it's a good idea. We don't have a full ship complement. You know, the ship ship is getting serviced right now. But she says uh, you can do it and you should do it. You know, it's always the thing when you know people are looking at you and you want to do your best, but you don't want to really feel pressured. And I think he's feeling pressured <laughs> at this point right here. But, you know, he has to do it. It's his job as a Starfleet officer. And, you know, I think once he makes up his mind, uh, he has a resolve to say, I'm going to do this. It's kind of, you know, uh, case closed. He's going to do it the best he can, which is the right approach. And he even, ha- even has to convince Burnham, which, you know, <laughs> it's kind of hard sometimes to convince people of something that you're not a hundred percent sure about. Uh, but, but I think that might be the sign of a leader. Uh, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Because it, I don't mean to jump in, but when he said to her, uh, or turns the table because she's doing in that scene exactly what she does, which is question things. And that's just in her nature. He turns and uses the classic great leader response of, well, if that happens, there's nobody better equipped that I trust more than you in that situation. Oh, just pumping her head up. Huh? <laughs> yeah. But, 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 but isn't that what most leaders do in that situation is you make that person want to go do what you're wanting them to do? Yeah. Yeah. It's all, I mean, being a leader is part um, showing leadership and have a psychology game, I think, because. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I agree. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's not always about doing the right thing, which you want to do the right thing as a leader. But it's sometimes about saying the right thing the right way, you know, as we may well know not to get politi- political. But how you say things does make a difference. I'm just saying. Yes. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yes. Agreed and agreed. So they are off. Uh, some of the crew returns to, and they are off to search for the Garrett. Um, they quickly find it, surprisingly. They quickly find it and, um, they make contact with Tilly, who is currently on the ship. Very bad reception. And she kind of, you know, forewarns them this is an ambush. Um, so, you know, the thing here is Saru, when Saru has to make the decision, to go and investigate the Garrett. Um, I do feel like he's almost uncharacteristically decisive when he tells Burnham to go beam aboard, but he does make the right decision. He does make the right, right decision. But for me, that kind of just feels weird because, you know, in my mind, of course, we've had a whole season of Saru being ultra confident to new, uh, ganglia gone Saru, but you know, Whenever I see him here, I can't help but to think of how he would be because he's predisposed to being fearful, you know, and I don't think it ever comes up about his ganglia in here at all. He doesn't ever like mm-hmm. reach back, which is kind of surprising. But he does actually actually he does in an almost comedic way when they are in the um, in the museum and 
she, they're talking about where to go next. He says, don't take, I don't want to go to the Mona Lisa because I don't like what that picture does to my ganglia. Oh yeah, he but does. You're reason. right. You're right. He does say that. He does so, say that. But, but to, but to uh, comment on your, um, your, your question about how he is performing at that point, I attributed it to a rush of adrenaline because put yourself, put myself, you know, either one of us in a situation we where we're having to think on action. It, I think it's a, a fight or flight almost in the sense of you don't have time to get in your head and be worried about what could have, should have, would have. You're right in the middle of it, and it's okay. You're acting on instinct at that point. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. And I do think, you know, as we move through this story, I do think that we get to see how methodical Saru is, how uh, detail-oriented Saru is. And, I mean, obviously all these qualities will someday make him a great captain. And we get to see that on full display um, so, you know, uh, Tilly on, on the Garrett and Tilly gets beamed away somewhere. They don't know. Burnham goes to investigate Burnham and team of six. They get beamed away. <laughs> and at that point, you know, kind of Saru's kind of stuck for, for all intents and purposes, but he gets this voice, this ominous voice from a Orion female pirate named Vera and Vera wants the discovery. I'm like, well, huh? <laughs> So she wants the discovery in exchange for the crew. You know, this is kind of the a very simple story on the face of it. But I think that the way in which Saru dispels of the situation or, or uh, remedies the situation is what was unique for me. What do you think about the solution? So let's kind of talk about what Saru did to get them back. So what are your thoughts on that? All right. So as as far as his solution to getting him back, I think this was a story that centered with a, a forgettable villain yeah. because she she and the the rest of her crew had cardboard personality. They were your uh, run of the mill car. Uh, you know, cookie cutter, whatever generic name you want to get. She was, they were generic, very, very generic. Maybe that's the best way to say it. But in the course of a comic book that you don't have as much time and space, literally in the, in the pages that they have to flesh out characters, maybe that's what you needed because I loved the Saru using not just every deck, not just every room, but knowing what was inside each of the rooms and them even thinking he wasn't on the ship when he actually was. I thought that that was a good way to showcase exactly how, call it OCD if it may well be, but how OCD he was of knowing exactly to the detail of what's in individual rooms on this entire ship and how to use that to his advantage. I thought that was very cool. What about you? What did you yeah, think? I mean, I totally agree. Vera, very um, generic uh, as a villain, even the premise of them stealing the crew. And I want your ship. 
which I don't know how she thinks she can make a golf with a starship, uh, a Starfleet ship and not get tracked down. But well, that's a different story. But she aims to steal the ship to either strip it down or have it for herself. But, you know, again, very, very cookie cutter, um, generic plot. You know, we're not breaking any ground here. But I think what is awesome about what happens, you know, I didn't even think Saru remained on Discovery. But we find that in exchange for the discovery, um, Saru just wanted safe patch passage for his crew. So he just asked that his crew be, uh, beamed back to the Jared, uh, the Garrett, excuse me. I want to say Jared all the time, beamed back to the Garrett and they, he would hand over discovery to them. Now I thought it was a little too, um, obvious that he was going to do something, but you know, these are just dumb pirates, just dumb pirates. And, Saru hangs back and, you know, in very stealthy, um, Middle Gear Solid snake fashion <laughs> kind of, you know, has all these traps set up for them. You know, they know nothing about piloting the, or operating the discovery. So he kind of is almost deceptively nice to them and mm-hmm. he, he pushes them to certain parts of the ship and Saru being so smart about you know the inner workings of the discovery uh he knows exactly where to tell them to put him in the traps and these dummies uh <laughs> go right after that but i think all that is just a setup to have these awesome moments for saru when he's you know throwing up holograms and then chopping them down chopping the orions down um sending them to certain places where i guess the spore had some type of um, sleep gas or something in there. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Or some kind of narcotic or, or some kind of paralyzing something. Yeah. And, and just different instances like that to where he's almost this uber confident spy guy on his own ship. And he gets to shine a little bit in very dramatic fashion. And, you know, I, I really was not expecting that at all. Um, I didn't expect the stealth Saru, the, you know, hide around corner Saru, but that's what we got. And I thought it was awesome. Yeah, I did too. I, the only thing that I found a little bit disbelievable or unbelievable, whichever is appropriate in this case, was him climbing through the air vents because (laughs) I know they've made reference to how tall he is. And I just wondered with his, um, you know, his body's proportions, would he be able to fit in there? Obviously he was, but you know, that was the only thing that I said, Hmm. But, but other than that, yes, I loved, uh, I love this. And I actually liked how he took what at the beginning was a handicap in many people's eyes for the ship. The fact that you weren't fully, complimented with the entire crew and that the ship had been completely repaired and used that as one of his key advantages in defeating the bad guy, so to speak. Oh yeah. 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 Very awesome. And also we get some, we do see Tilly, um, as, as she, um, meets up with Burnham on, on the Garrett and, uh, a couple awesome things. If you, I started reading this book, but did not finish because, I kind of just think it was kind of not interesting to me at one point, but I think I'm going to pick it back up. Uh, the way of the stars is, um, the book featuring Ensign Tilly and they talk about 
her father being aboard the Garrett. Now we don't even see her father in this book, which I thought was surprising, which we know he's on the Garrett, but we don't show him. We show the captain, uh, which I forget the captain's name, but we show her, but we don't show uh, her father. It would have been cool to see him because he is mentioned about being aboard the ship in, in the book, the way of the stars, which I'm probably like uh, halfway through almost. Uh, so I thought that was pretty good, uh, pretty cool to see those, those tie-ins there observation mm. to me the art artwork was pretty crappy up until we got to the orions once we had that green on the pages i thought it like really popped and i love the look of orions in the comic form mm. yeah i i didn't pay that much attention to the artwork itself i've kind of just realized that hey the artwork may not be the best artwork so it didn't but i do agree with what you said it did start snapping a little bit it was better artwork than what i've seen in some stories but i think with any story when you are trying to show humans who have played characters, you know, real people, it's different than trying to make them as a comic form as opposed to Wonder Woman or Superman or the X-Men when they are just, for the most, they were, you know, drawn first, not people. And that might be why I think the Orions look so good on these pages because they made them up for this comic, you know? (laughs) They're not trying to mimic... They're not trying to mimic real people. And I thought they just pop on these pages. I thought it looks fantastic. Uh, when so, they, when they get on so, so like case in point, for me, every time I see Burnham in any of the representation they've done of her, she doesn't look like Burnham to me. <laughs> but yeah. Saru looks like Saru. Um, the, the, the cyborg lady, I uh, can't Arium. remember her name. Arium. Yes. She looked like Arium. But but Burnham and, uh, you know, any of the other characters that are human felt off to me. But but those others didn't. Yeah. Yeah. And in some points they can cap- capture them correctly. But other times it's just like, yeah, because uh, Tilly doesn't look like Tilly to me at all in his book. No, absolutely. Uh, Detmer, not really either. So, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Like the it's hard to make these human characters look exactly like they look, uh, you know, consistently. And B. Burnham does never looks like she look in real life. No, maybe, may, maybe, maybe one panel, possibly, but for the most part, uh. <laughs> you get the essence, but not the, not the true essence. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And Arium looks beautiful in this book because <laughs> they, you know, she's not human. It's kind of easier. Well, I guess she is human cyborg, but it's easier to draw her, I guess. Yeah, and I guess that's pretty much it. There's not a lot in here. It's a pretty simple plot. Burnham and Saru come to the realization that after Saru doesn't get the job, because they found out they're headed to Vulcan to pick up the new captain, that maybe he didn't even really have a chance. And that's kind of the hard part about when, you know, you're given the directive to try to get you could possibly get this or people want to see what you're made of but you never really had a chance. It doesn't doesn't mean you shouldn't work hard. It doesn't mean you shouldn't give your best, but sometimes you just don't have a chance. 
Mm. See, I saw it as the learning opportunity, which I'm not saying I disagree with you, but I saw it more as an opportunity for him to learn the fact that no matter whether you're getting the title or not, do the best you can in any circumstance, because that is part of learning to be a captain. Yeah. Yeah. You, You know, I particularly loved what he said at the very end after he is talking to Barnum and what we were just referring to, where he says, I am too quick to perceive my failings, too hesitant to take credit for my success. Uh, perhaps it is because I want so much to succeed. I must remember that the true measure of success is the opportunity. Yes, I totally agree with that wholeheartedly. Yeah, don't scorn the opportunity, folks. Yep, agreed. Yeah. And I think that brings us to the end of this book. Uh, you know, one of the things I want to start doing as we go forward, I want to start rating these things. Um, so I, should we start here? Let's start. Let's yeah. rate. Let's rate let's, this book. Uh, let's rate it. On, on a scale of one to five, what would you rate okay. Captain Saru? You know what? I will say I'm going to give it. Oh, I'm going to go Hitchhiker's uh, Guide to the Galaxy and give it a 4.2. This is the most enjoyable, I think, of the series. Maybe one of the um, first one that we reviewed with the uh, Klingon uh story i may have enjoyed it as maybe just as much i love the fact that it got into my head getting into saru's head and i really like the the interaction between he and burnham and especially like the quote at the end about uh the opportunity so 4.2 for me what about you what do you think hmm. yeah it's, it's hard for me not to rate this purely on it being a comic because i want to you know, rate this up against other instances I've seen these characters, but purely on being a comic and in the realm of these IDW comics that we've been reading, I would go probably a three nine, three point nine. You know, not too far off from what you rated. But my reason being is that I think the first, the twenty eighteen one shot, the the um Stamets right. one shot, I feel like that's my favorite one out of all of these. Uh, because it it gives you a good backstory to oh yes um, the sport yes. drive and how it works and you know how Stamets and Cole were met. That's kind of my favorite out of all of these. But 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 yeah, I think this one does a good job. Uh, it fills in some gaps to what we didn't see on the show. Uh, you know, I think this I can I can see this being an episode. You know, okay. I can see- okay. Permission, if you don't mind, to uh, amend uh, my. <laughs> Uh, to a 3.9. And I'll tell you why. What you just helped me remember, what I actually remember that being an episode. I thought that happened on the show where we found out how they met. I had forgotten really? it was in that comic. <laughs> so yes, I'm going to amend and say 3.9 because I thought that was an episode. Yeah. Yeah. That one was like fantastic. Um, but, but this one is good. It's not horrible. Yes, it was. It's, it's but, good. But, but I'm going to I'm going to agree with you. Yeah, I, I enjoyed this one very much. Uh, guys, if you have been reading the IDW comics, if you read Captain Saru, uh, please chat about it on our uh, Facebook group or send us an email again, uh, fans at discussingtrek.com. I think we kind of ready to wrap this up, guys. 
we thank you all for joining, definitely. And I'm going to shoot over to Cal for his parting gift to tell us what he's been working on or wants to plug, podcast right. related or otherwise. All right. So I would um, direct anyone who is a fan of Doctor Who to Discussing Who. That is one of the other podcasts that Clarence and I do, along with our friend and co-host Lee Shackelford. Uh, we are currently on the 2008 Series 4 of Doctor Who. So, yes, check us out. We do classic and current Doctor Who, and we'd like to have you along with us. So, yep, DiscussingWho.com. Awesome. Awesome. And I'm going to tell everybody, if you haven't already jumped on a Relativity Podcast bandwagon, definitely head over to RelativityPodcast.com or search for that in any of your podcast apps slash players. Um, a very good sci-fi serial for your ears and mind done by our friend and co-host Lee Shackelford. So definitely check that out. Yeah, guys. And uh, all the things Kyle said, check out Discussing Who, check out Relativity Podcast. Make sure you just subscribe here. And until next time, guys, live long and prosper. Thanks for listening to the Discussing Trek podcast. For more information, go to DiscussingTrek.com slash subscribe. Thank you.